Well, hello there. My name is Matt Lebon. I'd like to welcome you to the Foodscaper podcast, where we have conversations with edible landscape professionals. Being able to compromise a little bit and to know that including some food is better than not including any food at all. And, um, you know, we can still feel good about the work that we do. These are folks making their living, designing, installing, maintaining food producing ecological landscapes for clients for a living we are back with part two of our conversation with christiana of the backyard farm company let's jump back into it so i'd love to transition us a little bit to some of the just imagery that i see on your social media and website i feel like you all are absolutely killing it when it comes to just using beautiful photography and portraying what is truly you know beautiful about growing your own food with with the crops and the gardens themselves um so job well done on that i'm curious i'd love to know like you know, what's, what's your secret (laughs) for lack of a better term? You know, I'm just thinking like, okay, well you all are doing that so well. And I just would love to improve that with our work. And I think so many foodscapers are similar in their, in their desire to elevate the aesthetic. And I, I don't know if you all have any parameters you're working within that, that really help guide your, your thinking and your artistic style. Um, Yeah, let's see. I mean, first off, I just want to say it's been fun kind of creating that image. Um, It's been a large part of my work at the Backyard Farm Company um, with the social media and the website. So, um, yeah, it's fun to see it growing and um, becoming what it has become. And, yeah, I think, let's see, we don't have any, like, set parameters for what what we're doing. Um, And it was a lot of just you know, learning as I was going. I think for the website, our main goal was um, really portraying having an edible landscape as like a lifestyle choice and um, as part of like this really um, idyllic lifestyle. So that's kind of what we're trying to convey with a lot of the the imagery and text on the website. And for those photos, we were working with a really talented photographer. So um, I don't take credit for those and they're wonderful. Um, and and then for the the like you know, social media, the Instagram, um, there's there's no real secret to that. I mean, all those photos are just from my iPhone, um, and I don't even edit them in any special way. So I think a large part of it is that we're very lucky to be able to work on some really beautiful projects with Christian Douglas Design and other landscapers in the Bay Area. Um, so we just luck out with some beautiful settings, and then. Um, the other part of it, I don't know, I would say in terms of growth is just about consistency. Like if we want to talk about social media growth, I would say it's just like, it's really about consistency and, um, and hashtags. Um, Mm. so that's kind of what my experience has been. I mean, when I started working here, um, which I guess was in 2019, like kind of just before, um, you know, everything shut down, um, and we had just hit a thousand followers on Instagram. Um, and, and now we're, we're on track. I think we're, I don't know, 94,000 or something. So 94,000. 
Yeah, it's grown a lot. Wow. Well done. How, <laughs> how do you, you know, I think one of the big questions I have with like followers is how does that translate to revenue, right? I think that we're in this like like and follower world, but ultimately like where, how do we measure like engagement? And then ultimately how do we draw a line to inquiries, you know, because that's ultimately what we are kind of looking for beside education and just inspiring people is seeing our people writing in and wanting to work with us. So I'm curious how you've seen that evolve because going from a thousand to almost a hundred thousand is quite exponential. What what is it what have the experiences been like for you all with inquiries? Yeah, um I think this is a really great point and it was something that I have um I guess sort of like struggled with over that process is I kind of, you know, I've seen Instagram and social media as a, um, you know, from a personal standpoint as kind of not a good use of time. You know, you're kind of like just scrolling, you're not really like doing anything very productive. Um, and so I've had to switch my, you know, my view of it to something that is worth my time and is, um, you know, even part of, of work and, um, and is helping the company um, in other ways. So that has been a process and um, I still struggle with like making time for it in my schedule um, and like kind of prioritizing it because it seems like kind of bottom of the the to-do list, but it's actually not at this point because it is how we get most of our, our inquiries. Um, it's how people learn about us and, um, and yeah, most of our inquiries now are people that have seen us on social media. I guess there's not, you know, we have our website and we're hoping, you know, we're always trying to like drive traffic that way, but it's not as often that people are Googling, you know, backyard farm. Um, it's more often that they're stumbling upon it and, um, you know, being inspired and wanting to do something like that for themselves. So, so yeah, it is, has helped us a lot with our inquiries. And then of course, like I said, we've started doing all of these kind of online and more educational services. So that's kind of opened up a whole new market for that, that, um, yeah, is kind of can grow exponentially. Yeah. I, I definitely want to talk about some of those educational offerings, but I'm hoping we can just dive a little bit deeper into social media because I think so many of us are not really spending like money on marketing and, you know, bootstrapping small foodscape company. It's like if we have an opportunity kind of more without spending money to grow our Instagram and it's translating into a lot more inquiries, then that's pretty exciting. Um, I'm curious about your success with that. You mentioned hashtags. I'm wondering if you could say anything more about that because I don't know a lot about hashtags or or any other like really just important things to keep in mind that maybe maybe the novice to social media isn't thinking about? Yeah, um, let's see. So, so yeah, what I was saying was consistency and the hashtag. So consistency is just like trying to post every day. Um, I mean, and sometimes you'll forget and that's fine, but just if that's the goal, it'll kind of keep you doing it often. Um, and also like having the stories up on Instagram every day if possible um and it just keeps you kind of front and center so it, it keeps you at the foreground of what someone is seeing when they open up the app um 
and in general, I guess you're just like trying to work with the the Instagram algorithm. So that that goes hand in hand with like using hashtags. I know some people like don't want to use a lot of hashtags because it seems maybe like I don't know, it could seem like like you're trying too hard or something. But um, I would say go for it. Just like use you can use 30 hashtags per post, um, and I would say just like use all of them. <laughs> and what I do is I have in my in my notes app on my phone, I just have a bunch of, I just have 30 written out hashtags, um, like our most common ones that I kind of looked up in the beginning and that were, you know, that get a lot of views and are within our, our niche. And so I just copy and paste those um, into the post. And then I'll, you know, I'll just like change the last couple ones to be more specific to the actual photo or video. Um because that's how people, that's how new people are going to find you. Um, if you're not using hashtags, then you're not really helping the the algorithm show your photo to new people because it doesn't know what it's about. Um, yeah, that's the main thing. And then I think kind of more broadly, what we've learned is that, you know, the, the things that do the best are the kind of inspirational photos. So photos of raised beds or of garden layouts, I'm sure, you know, like those ones get the most likes, um, and kind of travel the farthest, uh, cause people like being inspired and kind of seeing what's possible. So yeah, that's kind of, we try to do like an even spread of, of different kinds of content. So, you know, like photos of garden beds, photos of harvests, um, photos of, you know, our team or of kind of um, tips or learning, um, yeah, learning posts. We kind of try to have a mix, but that's that's most of our strategy. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, it's that that tip about hashtags in the notes that's one i'm gonna think about and see if we can incorporate um do you have any procedures for just harnessing the power of a client who loves you and wants to spread the word or like if a if you do an install and then you come out and you know you're you're getting started with a coaching client and they're just thrilled like over the moon um one thing i've been thinking about is how do we how do we help that person like spread the word, not in a like pushy salesy way, but just so that it's, it's easy for them to do that. I don't Have you thought about that or are you employing any strategies for that? Um, I mean, I think that's definitely an area that we could grow as well. So it's a good topic to think about. Um, we do definitely, you know, there's kind of like a lot of, of word of mouth between clients and their neighbors or other, um, friends in the area. So we do still get some, some clients that way. And, um, we don't really do anything specific in terms of like testimonials. Um, but we do really encourage people to, you know, to post their, their harvest or their, their garden on social media. And we always like kind of reshare that on our page. So that could be fun for them kind of like showing off what's going on in their garden. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. But I think, I think you're right. It's definitely something, um, that we could think about a little bit more. Yeah. It was just curious there. Um, I was thinking when you were talking about those hashtags, how hashtags, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they attract people from all over, not just your region that you serve. And I 
feel like that might be a nice segue into talking about your online gardening course because I imagine that could be a great way to recruit people to your course is using those hashtags that anybody in the world might stumble upon. Um, yeah, so would love to just hear about what is your online gardening course and what was the inspiration and what are your goals and aspirations with it? Yeah, um, so the online gardening course, it kind of came about, you know, when when online learning was really um, at its peak and like in 2020. And um, that was one main reason. It was something that we had been thinking about before then. And we really wanted to have um, just educational materials available for people who weren't in our in our local um, area in Marin in California. Um, like you said, we've got, you know, gardeners all over the world who have questions. And um, we also, basically we realized that a lot of, a lot of um, the educational material that we were giving to our clients or having to write up over and over again for consultations, um, you know, we kind of had this like wealth of information and we thought we could share that better in like a kind of concise way. If we put it all in one spot with kind of like a, you know, a timeline step-by-step -step instructions that it would just make it easier for people to follow. And we wouldn't have to to keep, you know, repeating ourselves in different ways to each individual person. Um, so it kind of, it made sense for us. And it also was something that it seemed like people were looking for. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's helped, you know, we were getting a lot of questions on Instagram and writing up long answers and, um, you know, we still answer questions obviously, but now we can also say like, you know, if you're really trying to learn, we have like the whole process spelled out in our online class, um, which I think is sometimes more helpful than answering one-off questions because a lot of times, you know, when you're trying to answer a question about like, you know, why isn't this plant doing well? There's so many variables with the water and the sun and the soil, and you kind of need a little bit of a deeper understanding. So the class um, is perfect for that. And um, it was really fun to create, you know, I mean, it was definitely a labor of love. It wasn't something, not something that I've done before, but um but yeah, it was a great process and, and we're really proud of how it turned out. And we, so we have, the first class is called Farm in Four Weeks. So like it sounds, it's about four weeks um, of material. There's a bunch of videos and then there's also different assignments. So it's like step-by-step -step assignments to do in your own yard. So for example, like how to assess your sunlight um, and how to build raised beds and how to set up irrigation, um, how to test your soil all those kinds of things. And then there's just like a bunch of pages of printable material um, with just like suggestions and notes and how to's. Um, and that class takes you all the way from kind of setting up, building your garden to understanding crop planning and like what to plant when, and then, you know, exactly how to plant. So kind of making your your list of what you're going to seed and what you're going to transplant um, and getting the timing right for that and then doing the actual planting. Um, and, and then this year we added another segment, so it's called bigger, better harvests. And it's kind of the, the next step, um, in gardening, which is really about how to care for your garden after you plant it. Right. So like pretty much all the maintenance work that we do for people after planting. Um, so it includes everything about like pruning and fertilizing and then our pest and disease control methods um, and, um, and harvesting as well. So that's kind of the second piece of the puzzle. Um, and they're both, they're both doing really well. They're both, um, you know, kind of a, it's like a good level of 
perfect for beginners, but also there's a ton of information in there for people who have been gardening for a long time. And, um, and yeah, I don't know, maybe we'll add more different topics later. Yeah. It seems like you could just keep on building and, and people are surely going to finish one segment and be hungry to learn more. I'm curious if people are interacting like with other people live during this, or if this is all like a pre-recorded course that you go through at your own pace. Yeah. So it is a little bit of both. Um, when we first launched just the farm in four weeks part, we were doing it as kind of, um, I guess you'd call it like different cohorts. So we'd have like, you know, a spring launch um, and have a bunch of students join for like, you know, the May class and we would go through it week by week together. Um, And that just means that they, you know, are doing, they're still watching the pre-recorded videos on their own time, but um, we would have kind of weekly check-ins and we've tweaked that a little bit. So it's not quite so um, like start date specific. So at the moment, you can start either of the classes at any time, like you can go and sign up and start right now. um, Because, you know, we didn't want people to have to wait for the next start date. Um, And then it is mostly like you can learn on your own time, you can watch the videos whenever you want, you can like skip ahead to week two if you want. Um, And we still have the interactive parts. So how we're doing it now is we have a monthly live Q&A just for all the class members. So we all get together on Zoom. We talk about, you know, what part of the course they're in and any of the garden questions they've run into or like updates from their garden. And then we also have a forum. So um, there's a private Facebook group where we're all chatting throughout the week. So that kind of keeps us in touch um, in between the monthly Zoom meetings and, you know, people can post photos of their gardens or ask questions about the assignments um, and we can just respond quickly to those ones. So that's been a fun community to kind of foster. And we've got, you know, all the alumni from last year and um, previous sessions who are on there as well as all the new people who are joining. Um, So it's a fun mix and, um, and I hope it just keeps growing. Yeah. It sounds like it's a great use of your, skills as an educator and doing all that work, you know, visiting clients and helping them to connect with their garden. It's probably a lot of, a lot of resources that, you know, were, were not being utilized by a lot of other people. And now so many people have a chance to, to be a part of that. I, um, I'm curious about this other thing that you all are doing to provide education and just be be mentors to gardeners, which is the phone a farmer. Um, tell us about that part of, of your business and, and what that's all about, how it works. Yeah. Um, so that's been a really fun project. Um, and we started that before we had the whole online class up and running. So it was really our, you know, our easiest way to kind of get in touch and, um, and ask questions and just get answers. Because like I said, that's kind of what we were running into both with, you know, people who are reaching out to us online with questions and also people who, who wanted to start their own, um, edible backyard, but maybe weren't within our, um, our service area. We wanted to be able to support them. So, so yeah, phone a farmer is just this um, basically really easy way to just schedule a phone call with um, with myself or one of our other farmers. And um, it's a half hour phone call. And then we do a bunch of follow up. So basically, 
um, you can schedule directly on our website, which is is really helpful. Um, if you're thinking of online services, it's nice to be able to do it that way. So people can, you know, pick the time and then they schedule it and pay right on the website. And then they fill out a little questionnaire to kind of give us some info on what they want to talk about. So we can um, maybe put together some materials for them or they can send some photos and then we jump on a call. Sometimes it's just a phone call. Sometimes it's, you know, FaceTime so they can show us around or Zoom. Um, and yeah, we just talk through their questions. And then afterwards, we send them an email with just kind of, you know, all the notes from our conversation and any like next steps that they need to take or any product links or just kind of anything else um, relating to, to what we talked about. So it's fun. It's um, it's mostly been utilized by people who are outside of our area. So, you know, all around the country, which is really fun. And then we do have some more local people who use it. Um, yeah, just during the season. So like I said, we have some clients who have kind of graduated to just having us come twice a year. And so sometimes, you know, they'll call in between um, if they've got questions during the growing season. Yeah, I think that's a really exciting offering that you all have. And I um, I know it may not work super well, but for those of us in colder climates, you know, there's a lot of education possibilities, I think, that could be utilized like that for the winter time when there's not um, there's not as much going on out in the field, even though that could be a tough time for people to feel inspired to reach out in the first place. Um, I'm wondering, do you find this to be a area of potential growth for you all in a place that you would say, if you have a foodscaping company, this is probably something that you should think about because it's, you know, low hanging fruit and it's a way to share your knowledge and yeah, do you, what what are your feelings about it as a as a product for other foodscapers? Hmm. Yeah, I think you know one of the main reasons why we started it was because we also wanted to have a another kind of low cost option. Um, our our consultations that we do on site are much more in depth, um, and they're a little bit more expensive because they they take longer. Um, it's kind of a whole a whole thing. So we wanted to have another option. Like, what if you just had a couple questions? You don't need a full consultation. Um, and I think it's been a really nice um, sort of piece of our our puzzle of our different services in that regard. And I think it's always good as a company to think about your kind of. Um, barriers to entry basically and having services at different price points um so in that sense yes and specifically about the phone of farmer i think i definitely think that doing consultations and kind of being a a consultant for foodscaping and for adding edibles is a really really great area for growth for foodscaping companies i think there's lots of potential for you know even if you're not doing the installation or the maintenance there's other landscape designers who have questions about adding food or even, you know, contractors who are working on a project and the homeowner mentions something about building a vegetable bed and maybe they just have questions about how to do it. Um, so I think we have always been trying to, to foster just that idea of being consultants to homeowners and to other designers and to schools um, and businesses. Um, and I think this is just an easy way to kind of bundle that in a really accessible way instead of, you know, having, we're basically just portraying that that's something that we offer. Um, and I think if it's something that, you know, like you said, we already have the knowledge, so it's not, um, 
it's not that much work on our end to just kind of share it more broadly and advertise that that's something that we do. Yeah, I love I love the idea of not only kind of marketing that option to individual gardeners, but also, you know, contractors who might be looking for that, you know, just to pick your brain about how they should do something involving an edible landscape that maybe isn't their bread and butter, but um, obviously you can clarify that pretty easily for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of the fun things about Becca Farm Company, like I said, since we don't have a build team, we do often get to work with other landscape designers um, projects. So, um, you know, we're not involved in the rest of the landscape design, but we kind of just can come on to advise about the the raised beds or the other fruits and berries. So that is fun. And I think um, it just it just brings food to a wider audience. Um, and I think it's fun to see more landscape designers, like traditional landscape designers, including food. And we're always for that. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned your, your team and it being a small team. It sounds like it's probably a tight knit team. I'm curious to hear more about the team and the different roles of the people on the team and, and maybe, you know, just what, what works well for you all from a, from a culture and, uh, roles and responsibility standpoint? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think we kind of have a bit of a unique case with the the two different companies kind of working as one, you know, with the Backyard Farm Company and Christian Douglas Design. So um, we do have some crossover. So myself and our other farmer, Olivia, we kind of work a lot with Christian Douglas Design. We do some plant design and kind of just those projects that are um, – kind of coming over to the Backyard Farm Company, we kind of streamline that. And then for the Backyard Farm Company, we have two other farmers, um, and that is Amy and Liz. And so Amy, um, she was the, she was the farmer before I was here. So when I started, it was just Christian and Amy and then myself. And um, she is a real wealth of knowledge. She does a lot of our um, education. So we, um, we teach classes for some corporate clients. So like internal employee classes for some of the bigger company campuses around, um, the Bay area. And we also do them online now, um, for companies all over like, um, on the East coast and such. And she kind of leads that. And she has some of our larger, um, our larger projects here in Marin. And then, um, yeah, Liz does a lot of our gardens all around Marin. So basically on the Backyard Farm Coast side, let's see if I can synthesize this. Um, we've got four farmers and then some of us do some of the design aspects as well. And um, I think having a variety in the work has been really fun. So like getting to work on design um, as well, or like more educational materials. Um, it just kind of breaks up the the monotony of, of just doing the, the maintenance. Um, and that has been really fun. And Christian is really great about, you know, just fostering each of our own, um, what we're interested in and letting us kind of pursue that. So um, we're all kind of always growing into new roles, which is really great. And um and then, yeah, like I mentioned before, on the Christian Douglas design side, there's um, there's three designers and a new office manager. Um, so it's, I think, good for on both sides. So basically the designers, like if we need extra hands out in the field, they get to come out and get their hands dirty and work with us out in the sun, which is good. And then 
us farmers, we also get some days, you know, at the desk, at the computer, which is also good. Um, so I think that that really helps with the company spirit and um, just kind of having it be really fluid is is nice. Yeah, I really resonate with that. I know that I love my balance of time in the field and time in the office. And we really try to build that into our culture where people aren't necessarily having to, you know, dig holes and schlep soil um, every day. And yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to kind of just bring us to a close a little bit here, but I'm just so curious if you, uh, I'm curious about how you organize your week, because it sounds like you're doing things like these online classes and phone a friend and garden consultations, meeting with your designer um, to go over things. Like, do you, do you feel like you have any systems for organizing your week in a way that feels like it's it's life-giving for you? Um, that's a great question. So let's see. Um, I mean, personally, in my role, I have like kind of a 50-50 split. It's actually, I'm spending less time on the actual garden sites at the moment and a little bit more time on design and like site visits and in the office. So the way that I organize it is I kind of cram all of my my um, my garden visits, my maintenance visits into a couple days during the week. And that way I can just kind of, it just feels more streamlined. Um, for the whole team, we do it based on location. So like, I'm sure you probably do a similar thing, but um, you know, you're going over to, to one part of town. So you're going to do all of the gardens over there. And then the next day go to a different part of town, do all the gardens over there. And that just kind of cuts down on driving time. Um, the other thing that we like to do is kind of having a variety of like large and small gardens within a day. Obviously, I mean, you only have time to do so many. Um, and if you have a bunch of like really large gardens during a day, it can get really overwhelming pretty fast. Um, so we like to kind of have some variety, but mainly we do it location based and just like not cramming too much in one day. Um, and I think, let's see, we have like team meeting every um, Monday, which really helps us get organized for the week. We kind of all get on track and, um, you know, just can offer support to each other throughout the week if needed, since we know what's going on. And then, um, yeah, for the online class, we have a couple like set um, times. So, you know, we have like a set time where we do the live Q&A every month. And then I've got, you know, Fridays for like doing the, the online forum um, and people know that we're available more during those times. So I guess to answer your question, it is pretty um it's pretty flexible week to week, but um, we definitely try to, to have a little bit of structure with like farm days versus office days. I think if you keep them a little bit more separate, it's it's a little easier, at least in my experience. Um, we've tried doing it other ways, like, you know, trying to do the farms in the morning while it's um, still cool out and then coming back and doing office work in the afternoon. That can definitely work. But um, sometimes you're, you're kind of exhausted after doing all the maintenance. So then you're not very productive. <laughs> Yeah, I relate with that. Usually, if you come back at noon all sweaty and tired, it's it's hard to rally for for that office work. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I've I've so enjoyed hearing your story and getting a chance to chat with you. I'm wondering before we before we part ways here, if you have any just words of wisdom for 
someone considering a career in foodscaping or what what might they be thinking about? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Um, one of one of the really great lessons that I've learned from Christian is kind of not seeing compromise as a negative thing. Um, I think a lot of times people in this line of work, you know, we're really passionate about food. We're really passionate about creating, you know, habitat, growing native plants, growing low water plants, permaculture, um, and kind of, you know, being totally self-resilient. Um, and I think a lot of times our customers are not quite ready for that. You know, like maybe the whole world isn't quite ready for going fully permaculture. And so being able to compromise a little bit and to know that including some food is better than not including any food at all. And, um, you know, we can still feel good about the work that we do making projects slightly more edible. Um, and, and yeah, just like not, not getting burnt out or disheartened because it is a slightly slower process. So yeah, that's been something that I've been just learning over the last couple of years. And I think it's helped a lot in this line of work. Um, yeah, that would be the main thing. Well, that's a fantastic tip. I, I'm going to take a moment and let that sink in because I, I need that reminder. I'm sure that many of us who are trying to run foodscaping companies um, have to come up against that compromise quite often around our values and how it's playing out in the world with the with the clientele that we're working with. So I'll thank you for for that and and also just sharing all of your thoughts and your wisdom and in your story. I'm really I'm excited to see kind of what happens with your with your gardening course and continue to follow along all that you all are doing at the Backyard Farm Company. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we feel really lucky here in the California Bay Area because there are other garden companies like us kind of locally. Um, and it's been fun, you know, kind of getting to know them. And we often will recommend them if, you know, if a client comes up that's in their range and not ours. And um, it's been fun to kind of foster those friendships and, um, you know, to not make it competitive in the market. And I think uh, hopefully we just all keep going in that direction. I know we've made a lot of really fun connections, even just, you know, on social media to make connections with gardeners in other areas and kind of get inspiration and get ideas. So, so yeah, I think this is a really fun space to kind of centralize a lot of that information. Well, sounds good. Thank you again. And thank you for the work that you're doing, Christiana. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. If you've heard us talk about the Foodscaper Summit on this podcast, but didn't actually attend the summit, well, go on over to the courses page at thefoodscaper.com, where you can find the recordings to all the classes that comprise the Foodscaper Summit. We had amazing sessions on everything from how to design and install professional foodscapes to sessions on the ins and outs of running a foodscape business. We had presentations on the plants that will most easily thrive for clients as well as honest conversations about how to make a profit and a sustainable living with this work. So if you're thinking about getting into this profession, this is a huge opportunity to learn from people who've been in your shoes and truly have so much to share.